Come with me and you'll see All the junk we stash behind the curtain There is no word I know In this world that rhymes with curtain I'm fairly certain Hello everybody, welcome back to another uh, behind the curtain, another special interview that uh, I have for you all today. I am I have the pleasure of being joined in this interview today with uh, James from the Cursed Dice Podcast. How are you today, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, no, it's nice to be here. Thank oh. you for inviting me. Of course, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure to uh, to have you here. You're actually uh, my first international interview, and uh, the scheduling for this was a little interesting. Trying to figure out <laughs> how early I needed to to start so that you weren't mm. recording it at like midnight or something. So, <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. We have so, a bank holiday here. Oh, um, so tomorrow is a day of no work, which is nice. Very nice. It is over here as well. So we're uh, yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to having a nice day off from work. Not uh, not really doing much. <laughs> just just vegging for a little while. Mm. <laughs> so um, before we really jump into the meat of the of the show, getting getting uh, you to tell us about your uh, your podcast, um, I uh, I wanted to uh, have turn the time over to you to just kind of introduce yourself let us know who you are how long you've been playing uh tabletop games how long you've been podcasting for all that all the good stuff about yourself yeah so um i'm james live in the uk um I'm a teacher by trade so this is sort of an extension of what I do on a daily basis, uh, sort of tell stories and try and make people laugh, mostly. Um, what do I've you teach? Playing, I, I teach primary education, which okay. is uh, from 4 to 11 okay. in the UK. Uh, so I teach everything, sadly. Oh, very cool. Um, so jack of, yeah, <laughs> bit of a rogue, sort yeah. of jack of all trades, <laughs> bit of a bard, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so I've been playing uh, tabletop rolling game, role-play games. I started when I was... 14 played till about 16 in what i believe would have been i think dnd second edition okay um, so you've been playing for a while then uh i did yeah. and then i had a 15 six i uh, know what would it be about 15 year hiatus oh wow um, <laughs> okay. yeah i literally yeah. played and then just uh i left uh secondary school and that was sort of the death knell of it because we played okay. at school um, and didn't really know each other outside of it. So oh, this was okay. pre-mobile yeah, pre -mobile phones and things like that. So it's still in the days where you'd go around your friend's house, knock on the door. They're not there, so you'd go home. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. sort of in the, the second iteration of playing, it's been, I think, I think it's been six, six and a half years have been playing. Uh, sort of came back in playing Pathfinder first edition. Okay. Um and that was sort of what got me hooked um as i sort of subsequently bought every single uh release um <laughs> yeah I, yeah i have oh, i think it's somewhere around 20 20 of the books okay the only thing i haven't got are the best series um, oh okay yeah yeah uh, mm. first edition um, what and, uh what brought you back into it was there something in particular or was it just uh a desire to start playing uh, again well it was an unknown desire so okay a friend was like 
I want to play some Pathfinder, which is basically D and D. I want to do that, and so I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up running what the Rise of the Rune Lords campaign, okay, mm-hmm. um, which is a really good fun, great starter campaign. Yeah, um, very classic. It's it quite. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite yeah. straightforward. There's a lot of tropes that you go through. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got to play an Unchained Monk, which was great fun. Oh, very fun. And, <laughs> uh, just obscene yeah. by, by the end. We did, a, we did as a sort of climactic end, we did a Battle Royale um, oh, cool. sort of style thing. Yeah, we got... Um, because we rolled for stats, we got given X gold and were able to level up our stats to an equal pegging. Um, okay. Which was really, really bad for everyone else. So, <laughs> well, boots of haste, invisibility ring. I'm good. Oh to go. man, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, as a as a monk too, yeah. you could just well, go yeah. invisible and well, go in and and just yeah. let your blows fly. <laughs> well, we were playing on a hundred. I think like the diagonal was about a hundred foot. Oh um, wow! So. Yeah, I, I can be anywhere in a turn, so it was a little bit silly. Um, had the poor ranger who was like, oh, I'm pretty confident I can deal like 300 points in a round. Um, I could, oh, sorry, that was without even the ability. I could run 100 foot and still take an attack. Oh ran up to his gosh. wolf, ran up to his poor wolf, uh, rolled a natural 20, um, and just, just KO'd it in one go. Um, and... Uh, because I knew what we were going into, we had things like Snatch Arrow, or I had Snatch Arrows as a feat. So his best um, sort of um, arrow with multi-shot, I just went yoink and threw it oh, back at him. Oh my gosh. Um, and yeah, so it was, um, it came down to, because it was, as the classic arena feat thing of the, you know, the basically demigod watching over and going, I mean, hindsight, you know, probably should have taken true seeing as just, you know, as mm-hmm. I had gold left over, but yeah. hey-ho, made for a more interesting. There's three squares, I just sort of whack a mole. So <laughs> know exactly where they were, but role-playing-wise, just going, oh, I'm going to try here this time. And just I had, what, nine attacks, so just could just whack a mole at each square and eventually connected. But yeah, <laughs> And then it, you know that, where it, they are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, when it started, it started to draw out, but it was quite funny and, yeah, showed how brutal um, <laughs> that class is in that environment. Um, yeah, we bless him. We had uh, a guy that played a druid and uh, hadn't played in a while. He had had to drop out the campaign and coming back in when you'd been what I think level twelve and dropping back into twentieth level. Oh my god! Trying to play a full <laughs> spellcaster because oh. he was like, oh, "I'm going to shift." Yeah, I'm oh shifting into gosh. a. Um, I think it was an elder fire elemental, and it's like, yeah, great. <laughs> now everyone can see you. Yeah. Um, Oh my but, gosh, yeah. that's a huge leap. That's a big leap to get used to. Yeah. <laughs> but that was uh, so that was sort of the first foray. Um, I then started running personally running um, carrying crown. Um, oh. That subtle way to make your partner enjoy things. Look, it's got werewolves and yeah. vampires and all those other things, and is set in Ustalov, <laughs> which is the region I base anything I write myself in. Oh, cool! So you you're, you're also you also cre- uh, write things, uh, supplemental materials for Pathfinder. Uh, yeah. Okay. For personal use, I oh, do. Oh, for personal. Okay. For the, yeah. So they're outside of the podcast. I do quite a lot of actual live play in real life. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to start another. I know I'm skipping through the thing, but hoping to start another one soon, which is like a proper beginners play Pathfinder style thing. Cool. Um, so just. To, I thought I love things like Glass Cannon podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, 
I don't follow Critical Role, not through any wrongdoing of their own, but I I watch and listen to far too many things already. Um, and I feel yeah. if as I mostly play Pathfinder, I try and listen to those ones because rules wise, I know oh that works with that, so that's quite good for my knowledge. Yeah. Um, but I try to provide a more realistic sort of thing because I mean Troy La Valley has got a master's in fine arts. Yeah. Um, I don't. I do not have a master in fine arts. Um, but in terms of podcasting, I've been doing that literally. I think I was just subtly in the background trying to work out because uh, I think it's just under a year. I think it's about 11 months uh, that okay. I've actually been running for. And um, so, yeah, you, so you started two weeks today. <laughs> oh, so sorry. What was that? Uh, two weeks today. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, from the f- uh, roughly the 14th. It'll be, uh, and that'll yeah. be that'll be your your year anniversary of it when you started. Indeed. Well, congratulations! Yeah. That's always Thank a big you, milestone. Yeah. Survive, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and especially during the pandemic, I I, uh, I you guys started during the pandemic. We did, yes. Started, okay. Um, mostly, uh, my my workload didn't go down. My workload changed. Teaching mm-hmm. sort of just mostly carried on in yeah. a very different capacity um so i was like oh i'll look for something to start looking at and was like i'll give it a go was sort of you know no grand ambitions that you know by next tuesday i could quit my job and live <laughs> off the earnings yeah uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't object but you know um yeah it's a, a project of fun rather than mm-hmm. a project that's designed to be you know my retirement yeah um <laughs> Yeah, that's very cool. Um, what uh, what challenges came with uh, doing a podcast during a, a a time where where you couldn't meet up in person? See, ironically, that works quite well because mm-hmm. ours is also an international podcast. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. So we have um, three myself and three of the players are UK based. Okay, um, I know two in real life and are good friends with, and that's how they got involved. Okay, one is the cousin of another person who had never played a uh, role play game Mm -hmm. in their life and i was like yeah you can join as long as you're happy to be you know online live yeah (laughs) um and you know hear everyone hear you um and then the final player is a guy that i found literally through facebook i was like looking for a fourth um a lot of the people i know have you know children Mm -hmm. and a lot of other commitments that you know we between us, I think we probably run about 30 games between four of oh us. Oh, my goodness. Um, or playing them or yeah. whatever. So it's it's pretty intensive um, there. So, yeah, put out a feeler. And a uh, guy came back from Belgium whose English cool. is literally flawed. Um, he's uh, studying to be an English teacher. So he was cool. like, yeah, if I can join and practice my English, I'd love it. Wow. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's quite terrifying. Um, I I sometimes sort of think, oh, I probably, you know, just to make his life easier, uh, I might might avoid something like insipid or a word like that. But (laughs) he never misses a beat when I do. Um, And he's completely able to keep up um, without there being any kind of language barrier. So it's, yeah, puts me to shame in that front because... (laughs) definitely couldn't do that yeah um, <laughs> you've been speaking and, it yeah. your whole life and then he he yeah. comes in and <laughs> and wows you actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's um, very cool so you've got you've got three three of you including yourself are in the uk you've got one uh, four in four four in, four, four in the uk and then one in belgium yeah, 
have one in Belgium. Okay, yeah. cool, very cool. And so, so being able to record it long distance, you said it helped your yeah. your circumstance. I mean, in terms of it being online, mm-hmm. it sort of became one of those things where, well, it's always going to be online. It's um, one of the reasons one of the players can actually play because um, sort of it means the other half can go out and he can still look after the, the baby. Okay. Um, without it being so, it's uh, it's, it's sort of the uh, middle ground. Yeah. Um, sort of there. So it's, you know, he's not going out twice a week to play. He's only going out once because one of them's on the line. So it's, oh, cool. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then one of the other ones. Um, and they also live sort of, which I know in America is less of a thing. In the UK, it's they're, they're sort of half an hour, 40 minutes away. Okay. Um, which, yeah, we don't we don't like driving as far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> never I listen or watch any, like, I, I think it was Glass Cannon podcast I was listening to and they were like, quite recently talking about going to um a oh, what was it called so i think a steakhouse of some kind mm-hmm. or something similar and they're like oh it's fine it's only an hour and 40 minutes away oh my gosh that's, that's ages that's even that's, far for me i don't like oh, driving either so yeah. i'm i'm in the same i'm in the same boat as you i, I uh if i can avoid it, it i i prefer not to drive <laughs> I mean, I live for for context of what I consider a long drive. We live sixty miles from London. Mm-hmm. It's a thirty because we've got a high speed link, which is amazing, expensive but amazing. Thirty five minutes on a train. It's about an, a forty minute drive to London. That's a long way. That that's a day out. <laughs> um, <no. laughs> that's um, awesome. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things that it works quite well if you know particularly with the onset of covid yeah um it was like oh we can still play even if you know someone has to isolate for 14 days it doesn't bother us Mm -hmm. because we're all online yeah um so it's yeah quite lucky in that sense um and you guys you guys live stream it is that correct yes it's live streamed on I, i don't know why I, I thought this was a sensible idea. It's live streamed on Twitch. Mm-hmm. It's then tweaked. I don't have enough, again, same level of time or tech as, uh, you know, other podcasts. Um, so it's very briefly edited, mostly to take out me going um, every <laughs> okay. 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, edited down. <laughs> I had a little soundtrack that is uh, sort of uh, open source sort of piece of music, royalty free. That's the word I was looking for. Okay, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Piece of music that just to open it nothing special i tweaked around with it so it's at least a consistent volume that then sort of uh has a decrescendo for technical music at the end yeah just so it fits in nicely and that's about as technical as it gets okay um but yeah sort of it was very odd setting that all up oh um (laughs) very luckily one of the other players the overlay we have for where it then is on both twitch and then recorded edited and put back onto youtube uh, mostly so i don't have to save it all to my computer as mm-hmm. i discovered four months in i'd like wiped out my hard drive yeah uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah especially with video because you you're doing the video mm. too so that yeah, would take up a lot of space yeah in the full hd it's around 12 uh, i mean youtube must hate me uh, but the <laughs> upload is somewhere between sort of 10 and 16 gig each oh time. my goodness uh, um, <laughs> So yeah, that's how I wiped out my uh, hard drive. Yeah, quickly. <laughs> I, um, we only we only do audio, and ours are about uh, point one of a gigabyte. So, 
um, yeah, the audio side is, I think, about 300 meg. Okay. But that's yeah. it's a three-hour thing. Yeah. So yeah. That sort of tracks quite nicely. Um, well, very cool. Um, uh, what what uh, what what kind of uh, challenges or uh, as well as uh, like like pros do you find when you're when you're live streaming it rather than recording it and and heavily editing it? I think the live stream side of things, it's that it's all there. Mm -hmm. So you know, same as if you're recording it, it's you know all there. But there's also a backup. Okay. Uh, their challenges because I do all of the uh, behind the scenes stuff of uh, tweaking it, changing the screens, all of that, which is why there is one screen change pretty much now. Um, there's either me on a webcam, the sort of the game sort of map, and then tiny corner of me on a webcam, and that's about it because we did I did set other things up, have other screens, changes of things, mm -hmm. but as I'm also not only running the game, running the stream, it was a bit of a headache uh in terms of that and then i think audio quality is the biggest challenge i because i'm quite happy to go out and spend sort of a hundred not the other people in my house are happy for me to go and spend <laughs> on the microphone but yeah i will i will go and play the microphone um and sort of that's meant that my audio is very consistent it's literally designed for this purpose mm -hmm. but again a you know we don't make money i i don't really care about yeah. that side of things particularly um, again, wouldn't object to it, but I can't then go to the others. One of which is, you know, he's blessing me 20, I think, yeah, 21, just had his birthday okay. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's not necessarily in the financial position. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the other guys is at uni. One of the other guys oh, has man. just had a baby in the last six months. I can't be, oh yeah, go and blow 150 pound <laughs> sort of what, yeah. 250 ish dollars on a microphone. Mm -hmm. Uh, just to make my sound better, but it's one of those things where you can slowly see them, sort of one of them's upgraded to a nice Bluetooth headset that's got a decent built-in mic. Yeah. Um, but it's, I yeah, learning, because I use Streamlabs to do everything, which is great, it's free, um, does exactly what I need it to. Mm -hmm. um, learning how to do the different audio inputs, learning how, so for the recording, um, I can split the audio and be able to then remix it so it's at least balanced um so yeah that was one of the challenges i think um being interesting for three hours i think is probably <laughs> one of the biggest challenges especially when you then turn it into a podcast those what for you sat there sort of when the player's thinking um do i use this spell do i move away do i you know just give up and fall over on the floor and die mm -hmm. it's those moments where you're trying to think there's there's eight seconds of dead space here. How do I fill eight seconds of dead space? And you notice yourself saying really stupid crap. Um, <laughs> just fill dead space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that's one of the things that you see. Things like critical role. I, I'm going to keep going back to them because they do it very well. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of, part of the issue. Critical role, glass cannon podcast, where they are at that. Basically, you know, they're paid for it professional mm -hmm. level. You, the, none of them do things outside of that that you know they don't want to do because mm -hmm. they need food on the table and i think that's where you can really you know drill into doing that extra bit i mean i, I love glass cannon podcast um and you know there's all those bits of behind the scenes all those bits of i oh, will start this other thing we'll do this and i think that's one of the challenges is trying to avoid 
emulating mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're not, unless, you know, you happen to have a hedge fund, um, it's unlikely you're going to be able to. And I think it's being able to accept that. And I think it's one of those things when I went into it and, you know, quite naively, I was like, yeah, within six weeks, you know, we're going to have it exactly the same. I, I can't do voices uh, particularly well. Um, I sort of have, you know, uh, probably about seven voices that all sound the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in my head, they're probably very different. But I think it's one of those things that it's quite terrifying as a GM. Mm-hmm. Um, of people judging you. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's <laughs> online. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a few million people online. Mm-hmm. Um and it's one of those worries of people, you know, going, oh, you know, they, they just don't do that. Why don't they bother to do the voice? Why don't they bother to do this? Yeah. And I think it's just accepting that it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I'm, you know, I quite like doing it that way because I think that style um, of the critical role in particular, um, because they are literally voice actors for a living or actors yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for a living, I think has put people off or created that expectation of, you know, I'm going to come around, we're going to play a casual game with a couple of drinks and, you know, maybe some crisps that I bring along and you <laughs> yeah. are going to bring out this full 3D printed scenery with painted objects and, you know, <laughs> smoke machines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't get me wrong. If I get invited to that game, I will be going. Yes, um, <laughs> I can't imagine I think, yeah. how how intimidating that would be to sit mm. at that that particular um, table. <laughs> I'd be fine. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably I'd fail. I'd I'd turn into the nervous dead dead dead. Um, but then that would just become my character, so it'd be fine. Yeah, um, just lean into it. Just yeah. fully embrace and it. it. Yeah. 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 Um, you said at the beginning you were going to be this really confident barbarian. Yes, I lied. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, and I think that's why I'm happy for mine to be mm-hmm. unpolished. Many more hours tweaking bits, but I think it's nice that I think if you're starting out, and there are other podcasts, again, that are doing a lot to fine-tune theirs and tweak theirs and make it sound better, mm-hmm. And I th- but I think it's still it's still a very different level. Yes. So critical Role, Glass Gunning Podcast. There are some that, are, you know, as they gain traction, get more popular, are getting there. Mm-hmm. But I think it does it does give the normal person sort of that opportunity to think, oh, what I'm doing is all right. The fact that I haven't got 38 different NPCs in my pub that I voiced in different voices, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's really great. I think that's a really great way to look at... at uh at being a smaller show. Um, and I agree with you on a lot of things that you said. I, that's something I've also had to, uh, come to, come to terms with, I guess, is that, uh, you know, this is where we are and just accepting that that's, uh, the reality of the show and trying to fight it or force it isn't going to, isn't going to change things. So I, I, uh, I think, I think everything you said is, is very true. It rings very true with a lot of people. Um, and I think you said it very well. That's a first for everything for me to say something well, I guess. (laughs) I, I think for me, it's just that idea of, you know, anyone, whether they're 16 or 78, Mm -hmm. sort of thinking, I'll give this a go and listening to something and then thinking, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, one of the biggest changes for me when I played when I was 15. The only people I knew that played it were those, you know, five people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, going back in and it being, you know, 
discovering people doing it and then being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, learn a bit more and it being, you know, the internet existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just being this whole different ball game of already, I think, you know, Critical Role had begun, mm-hmm. I think. I think it was still in the infancy, but still already that very polished sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Glass Cannon started, um, I think, about a year and a half in, and it was suddenly like, wow, look at what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think it's got yes it's very scary for gms i think more Mm -hmm. so than players um for that of you know if their players rock up having oh have you seen you know first game oh i love i love critical role how similar is your game to that (laughs) um yeah yeah i can't promise i can't promise anything i hope you enjoy it but uh yeah i've got got long hair like matt mercer does that count yeah (laughs) yeah Um, if not i can put a wig on if that'll help (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 agree with you. I think it. Uh, I think. I think having these very, very high quality, highly polished shows, um, especially for someone that that has never played, has no expectation of the game, um, it can, at times, um, influence the way they approach the game the first time they play mm. but i've also i've also learned that people that that come into games like that with that sort of very high expectation uh they quickly realize that that's not the case with with even just casual games uh or smaller uh less polished shows and uh and i think there's there's openings everywhere for everyone uh and I, uh, depending on like what your skill level is, or or how long you've been playing, the resources that you have, I think uh, I think that's why it appeals to so many people is because there are different levels of entry, different levels of of expertise, and and then and then personal preference as well of what uh, of what you enjoy. Definitely. So I think that's very cool. Like I said, I think you said I think you said it very well. I, I agree with you on a lot of things. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about the story of your your podcast. You guys are doing the Extinction Curse AP for yes. Pathfinder Second Edition. Um, I don't know anything about it, and so what I wanted what I wanted to do is have you um, kind of give a synopsis of the AP, and then uh, and then what your your players kind of bring to that adventure path. Um, so the players bring chaos. Okay. Um, yeah. The AP itself is sort of. A bit of a sidestep, a bit like first edition. You had uh, Skulls and Shackles, which was a pirate adventure. Um, this is set all around the theme of running a circus. Um, it is set on the Isle of Erin, which is next to the Isle of Kortos in the Inner Sea. Okay. Um, which isn't, to my knowledge, I could be wrong. Um, they haven't really done much that is exclusively around that region um in terms of exploring that as a place um, and i want to say i want to say you're correct because because i'm not i'm not an expert on all things pathfinder but mm-hmm. it but it doesn't it doesn't sound familiar to me mm-hmm. and uh from um, from the adventure paths that i've read and played in it mm-hmm. doesn't sound like they've ever that, really done anything there 
Yeah, I mean that was part of what drew me to it. That mm-hmm. and there was one other one other adventure path, and the other the guy from Belgium he'd already played that one. Okay, so it did limit us down as somewhat to mm-hmm. the only other one that was available. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, it does it does add in a whole load of new mechanics around run, literally running a circus show, and we've um, run a few circus shows. There has been one um, whereby and. If you've read the player's guide, it's not a spoiler. Um, there is a sort of competing uh, circus, and halfway through a, a game, they sort of decided that they were going to go and visit this other circus, um, which was fine. We came to the conclusion on episode I had more than 30 seconds to pull together a circus <laughs> show, but that was one where I literally got to go off and write my own circus show based on sort of thing so they now have not that they're completely aware more knowledge than they would do uh-huh. otherwise but yeah so they just sat and watched a circus show or well, <laughs> by watched i mean listened to yeah but it was it was quite a fun little thing mm-hmm. uh where um yeah just they they sat there and listened to me for far too long but um <laughs> And as long as they uh, enjoyed it <laughs> oh yeah they, yeah they enjoyed it so that was that was the main part and part yeah i think it's one of those that I would do if I did again. I would do slightly differently, but mm-hmm. I didn't want there to be again without trying to put in any spoilers for anyone that is playing, wants to play, or uh, is a GM getting really frustrated that I might tell them the answer to something. <laughs> but that too much into one of their first parts with the circus. There are others that they will come across in mm-hmm. across the campaign. Okay, um, that give other opportunities for similar things where there might be more interac- interaction. Uh, you know, drunken uh, uh, audience members or things of, of that sort of nature or, you know, the dragon that gets free. I don't know. I might have to add one into a circus just for the, the fun of the chaos. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the, <laughs> along the side, I mean, fairly early on, they uh, the players um, sort of showcased their uh, love of making sure everyone was included, especially every single villain that they came across. Where oh, they sort of take it. They took it upon themselves to, there's a very early on, there's an encounter that occurs where um, it's literally within the first sort of few pages of the actual book itself, Mm -hmm. uh, where there is a circus being run uh, and they are attending at the show or part of the show potentially. And um, someone starts a fight. They they now work full time for their circus. Um, (laughs) And this, yeah, they've, they've, they've now got a gambling arm. So they've hired some gamblers that they met through uh, less um, sort of pleasant circumstances. Mm-hmm. They now work for the show as a sort of a side thing where they're drawing in more money. There's a few other random NPCs who are supposed to be villains working for the circus. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally anyone they meet, they'll try yeah. and recruit. So it's, uh, <laughs> that it's is very awesome. It does sound very chaotic, like you said. Your cares, add, your players add a lot of chaos to the the story. It's setting up things for the long term, which is quite fun. Yeah. So there's a few situations again that aren't spoilers because they don't exist in the AP. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might it might give other players ideas of how to upset your GM, um, <laughs> who then will take revenge. And um, so there's sort of these different individuals now working for the circus who are definitely evil in terms of character alignment but again that's that's quite a sticky <laughs> uh, sticking point for some in yeah. terms of what that actually means um so at the moment they're being paid so they're quite happy to work mm-hmm. yeah money. 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, the way in which they might deal with a certain situation might differ. Um, they may also feel they deserve a pay rise or other, uh, you know, just other things that are going to slowly crop up the further things go and they drag these people further and further afield <laughs> from their home. Um, and there's there's one we had in the last episode where... They, uh, after visiting uh, a circus that wasn't their own to watch the show, they went and got hammered, um, <laughs> as one does after yeah. the circus. Um, it was probably probably one of the first bits of downtime that really they properly had that mm-hmm. isn't, you know, you're travelling 100 miles, it takes four days. Um, I'm going to be a nice GM. You've had literally back-to-back combats for, mm-hmm. like, sort of about eight hours worth of gameplay. You know, let's just literally... Uh, uh, observe the scenery and actually just be able to travel without sort of oh you've now met another owlbear or um <laughs> half a ton of orcs have come out of the sea, yeah. <laughs> uh, scenery so i think they were quite happy to have that respite um and yeah they sort of encountered a sort of a roguish bandit who uh they uh very honorably captured took him back to the circus tied him up um the thing that surprised me because i was madly looking through i was like wonder how well this works the mechanics for escaping work a lot better in second edition okay much easier to escape mm-hmm. um, okay oh so, yeah it's just uh beating their uh dc as opposed to um sort of a much higher check uh yeah and it was in first edition so he's now uh going to be a recurring villain oh cool um, in some capacity so and and not one that they're going to recruit in the future <laughs> no, they're too angry because okay. he got away. Um, they're, they're a l- little bit annoyed yeah. with him. Um, <laughs> although they came out pretty well with gear, um, but he was using glamoured armour, which was quite oh, funny because yeah. they're quite, uh, you know, literally midnight, and this guy comes running around a corner dressed in what appears to be rags and uh, <laughs> sort of asks for help. Mm-hmm. And then uh, sort of they quite happily and willingly believe this person is there for help. Um, and then again, chaos ensues. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they've come out quite well equipped from that. But I think, yeah, it was, I think one of the, the what the players bring is that excitement. I think they are, mm-hmm. you know, re- really love anything, you know, new and exciting and changes. I think one of the biggest things for them, um, one guy, bless him, he's on his fourth character. Uh, we're only on book two. Um, oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, they, they, two of the players come from a uh, Pathfinder first edition background. Haven't okay. played second edition other than a crash course, sort of <laughs> through uh, the Plague Stone. I can't remember the name of it. Fall of Plague Stone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, like little sort of module they'd sort of done about half of that. We did before they, you know, we we're, yeah, we we're quite happy to commit to playing a campaign. Mm-hmm. So they're much more first, used to first edition where you know your player can probably solo a few things at level five mm-hmm. um one of the other guys is you know used to playing skyrim where your guy can literally solo a dragon yeah um so <laughs> it's a very different tactical sort of level mostly okay. in terms of or strategy in terms of surviving yeah in second edition um it's yeah they've got to be much more aware of you could die quite easily okay with the difference in the crit system yeah um as opposed to you know roll a natural 20 where you've just got to beat it by 10 most enemies are going to be able to beat your ac by 10 without trying so it is 
much more lethal. So it's been quite interesting watching them come up with different characters and particularly the guy that's never played before getting more confident he's lost a character. We only have one original uh, character from the beginning. We're only in book two. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. uh, well, I, they did I, I, split party. I like what you said about the one player who who it's fun to see him gain confidence. One of my favorite things about doing doing my podcast is seeing that level of confidence grow over time. Um, uh, where in your case, where they've lost characters and they're forced to adapt mm-hmm. and and come in with a new character, I think uh, that also builds confidence. But then that confidence just comes mm-hmm. with playing the game over a, a period of time um, and and mm. recording it and having the ability to go back and listen to it is always mm. is always uh, an interesting thing to do because you can go back and listen to earlier episodes and 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 think to yourself man is that really what we sounded like back then because mm. now we're we're leagues different than, than where we were when we started this and I think that's always very rewarding and very uh, very awesome to see uh, as a GM the confidence that mm-hmm. that you and I build as, as GMs, and then seeing it develop over time in our in our players as well is very rewarding, very cool to see. And I, th- I think that's one of the things I'm hoping. Yeah. God knows how many years it will take. You're only on book two, and you know we're literally a year in. And obviously, the further generally you get through an AP, the longer they take. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of you know, especially when you don't railroad them. Um, and you give them quite a lot of freedom of, yeah, you can spend four hours, you know, just having dinner and having a chat because then I don't have to plan anything for next week. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's having that for them, having that freedom uh, to do is quite nice and explore. But you can tell the guy that's, you know, 21, um, only just uh, only really forayed in the last year into uh, role playing games, literally end of the session, first session. We'd done a session zero. He'd ordered himself a set of dice. He's now beginning to be more confident in terms of, you know, doing things. And I think that second character gave him that, as you said, that leapfrog mm-hmm. sort of thing into being able to go, oh, right, I'm going to introduce myself. He plays an alchemist. He's like, can I land on a ball of fire um, <laughs> just because I've nearly blown myself up? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Mechanically, it won't do anything, but it sounds awesome. So yeah. we do that. And that's, I think, something that's tricky in terms of one of the players he, he's a gm himself for second edition um not online just with his friends i think he does it in his native tongue mostly to stop him from going insane but <laughs> I, I think he he's he's becoming used to it a little bit more whereas before he was like oh the rules i'm like yeah but <laughs> and um yeah so it's quite I, I like that narrative freedom i mm-hmm. generally I keep to the rules when it would kill a player otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, there won't be a sort of a narrative thing where, you know, the enemy walks in and, you know, bludgeons one of them to death because that's narratively cool. Not so great for the person that spent hours crafting this new idea for a yeah. character. <laughs> and, um, and getting you know, really attached it, to it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst part. Worst part. Um <laughs> And because and being a GM is, I think that's one of the hard things as well as a GM, having killed a few characters by coincidence. Um, I mean, I had a first edition campaign, as I said, Carrying Crown, mm-hmm. um, where they had literally steamrolled through everything. Because again, 
two of the players were complete beginners, so I gave them a points buy and gave them a slightly higher points buy with the you know the intention of starting to step things up as they got more confident. We got to about book three, and I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but it's this undead guy that has an arrow, uh, bow and arrow, um, and uh, proceeded to with three attacks completely obliterate one of the players. Oh no! Um, and uh, you know, because it was one of those ones where I was like, I'm going to roll in front because you know you've asked me to so that yeah. was your own fault because now i can't fudge that natural 20 <laughs> into a natural 20 uh, my partner played in that campaign and she confiscated the dice um i then picked up another one and rolled another natural 20 so oh, it was no. yeah it was cruel and it was but it was for that campaign it was quite nice we ended up the rest of the session ended up being sort of the sort of the morning of the character mm -hmm. and sort of looking into it i think the one that's really hard is Okay, you're in the middle of a forest. Um, how do we introduce the new the player's new character? Yeah. Um, as has recently happened in Glass Cannon, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you don't... I mean, at that level, it's fine. You're being paid to be there. You can quite happily sit there for four hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you're turning up for a bit of fun, um, you know, having to sit there for four hours when you're like, I'm just waiting for you to walk into that dungeon room to find that guy chained up that happens to be me. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you're just yeah. waiting for the players to finally get to that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th I, th yeah. I think one of the ones I read quite recently online, there was a guy that uh, was GMing and his, uh, his kid um, literally built this character. It died episode one or session one, not a real sort of podcast one, mm -hmm. but the kid just turned around and basically did the, uh, oh, I can't remember, the Princess Bride of, you'll kill my father, I am here. Um, and like literally yeah. suddenly the twin brother appeared out of nowhere. And I'm like, that is, when a 10-year-old can pull off, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, I think well, some people struggle much more and you become very attached. I mean, my partner threatened me with genuine real-life death <laughs> if I did kill her character. Oh, no. Um, so <laughs> It's good fun when yeah. they nearly died quite uh, a few times. Well, very cool. It sounds like you have a very, very fun group. I did listen to uh, one of one of your episodes. For some reason, I started on episode two. I don't know why. I just was scrolling through, and I, I, I thought mm. I was at the bottom, and I clicked yep. it, and I started listening, and I go, oh, wait, this is uh, further along. But I ended up mm. listening to the to the, the entire episode, and <laughs> and you've got a really great group on your hands. I mm. think all the players uh, are, right. they all bring something to the table, as most players mm. do, but uh, I think I think they... they 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 work well off of each other. Um, mm -hmm. I I I definitely want to listen to some more. I want to see them recruit mm -hmm. uh, some uh, <laughs> some villains into their into their circus. I think the whole the whole idea of the entire adventure being a, a running a circus is is mm -hmm. very uh, very new. I I can't say I've ever heard mm -hmm. anything. In Carrion Crown, we meet the the traveling sideshow. And yes, yeah. and I and that's that's like as far as my experience with like running or participating mm. in a circus goes. So there's, I think it's know, very cool. One module I've come across that I nearly ran as part of Carrying Crown, where it is literally a fae, like a traveling troop circus thing that turns into a bit of a horror esque Ooh, thing. That sounds amazing. Quite, I haven't heard of that it's one. Awesome. Um, I ended up dropping it because mm -hmm. again are quite new and it's one of those ones where um much like things like rain in winter uh, mm -hmm. or rain of winter campaign 
um, requires quite a lot of knowledge um, to be able to even survive, uh, particularly, you know, oh, you you made a character great, they've turned up in summer shorts, um, it's winter, um, they will die in the next three rounds from exposure. Yeah. And it's, it's that sort of thing. It was I, I can't remember what it was called, but it's one of those ones where it's, you can end up dying just through, you know, happening to walk into the wrong room at the wrong oh time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it, it's it's only it's only mid level. I think it was about level six. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's. I think that's again carrying crowns. One of those ones where we started out with using the fear additional sort of uh, sort of rule, mm-hmm. uh, which can be quite lethal quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the insanity one as well, mm-hmm. uh, the additional rules for that, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my favourite one is split personality. Uh, if you have an, I don't know if you know the insanity rules, but they have, um, you have an insanity threshold, basically very similar to Call of Cthulhu and, uh, mansions of madness style thing where basically if you get to a certain point, cause you've seen too many horrific things, you can have a slight psychotic break and there's whole different things that can happen to you. You know, you develop sort of, uh, a, a phobia of certain things mm-hmm. through to, you know, as decided by GM, a yeah. new personality that might come out from time to time. And it's just... You know, the, the you could you know make your character play someone that you know they might be a, a half elf uh, rogue that suddenly thinks you know they're a a, a gnome washerwoman, um, <laughs> or something equally just something ridiculous. Yeah. That, you know they wouldn't, or you know a landed gentry just to really make them completely go out of their comfort zone. Um, but yeah, that was very hard. The sanity mechanics are very very fun. Uh, we. We dropped it. I didn't want to add more, especially because we ha- we do- we also have a first time player. This is her first adventure, and so um, and so I decided to forego it. But um, at the time they they had carrying crown. Uh, I don't believe the horror adventures book had been released. But I that is the horror mm-hmm. adventures is one of my favorite mm-hmm. books because it adds so much more, like you said, to the the madnesses that people can acquire, mm-hmm. and then also just uh, teaching you how to run a really good horror game, um, mm-hmm. how, different themes that you can you can put in your your adventures, how to homebrew a nice horror campaign, um, and the the thing I like about Carrying Crown the most is is uh, it starts out very, very uh, Victorian, very Gothic horror, and then ev- nice. and then in in book four, it just takes this hard left into uh, into that eldritch territory, that, that Lovecraftian yeah. horror, and uh, and and it gets it gets much darker than uh, than anything they'd uh, they'd previously encountered, and uh, and so and that's when they introduce the the sanity mechanics was in that book four for those of you listening um yeah which is uh a great place to put it <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. expanded on the haunts as well which were yes um having played rise of rune lords uh, as well as a lot of one shots mm. and skulls and shackles haunts weren't that something that had come across and it's just that something that's not you know it's not a, the classic pit trap yeah or, you know only spikes and arrows coming out of the wall they're quite quite trauma it became quite traumatizing for the players because you know you'd walk in and i created a one shot where it's sort of the classic of you know the walls just start bleeding 
um and the the walls start wailing and you know that you know the strained female voice just crying why mm-hmm. genuinely three of the players free, that were playing real life not the characters freaked out <laughs> and refused to go into the room um <laughs> so we might have hit her but they were yeah. fine they, they were just like nope nope not going yeah. in there um <laughs> you know and it forced them to find a different route which was quite cool mm-hmm. um but that was yeah quite a yeah, horrifying one. The haunts, um, the haunts do uh, do add a level of uh, another another element to the game because, like you, you said, they're not the classic traps, um, no. but they are they're essentially traps in their own in their own nature, and uh, and having those it just adds this extra element to the game. Yes, yeah, it's that time you really wish you'd have brought a cleric with you. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> Shut them down. Yeah. Any other class really struggle. <laughs> exactly. Um, I wanted to uh, ask you about other projects that you're involved with. So you've got the the Cursed Dice podcast running the second edition, mm-hmm. uh, Age of Extinction. Is that what it is? It is uh, uh, Extinction Cursed. Extinction Curse. Thank you. Um, so what other what other projects do you have going on right now? So this is again. This is one of those things. Whereas it's sort of more. It's a weird thing that's a hobby, really, for mm-hmm. me. Um, until someone starts paying me. Yeah. Um, is um, it's called Slice and Dice Roleplay. Okay. It's not Pathfinder base. It's based in the Warhammer Forty K universe. Cool. It is based on the Wrath and Glory, uh, system, which is a very different system. It is a D six system. Cool. Okay. Uh, um, so it's the classic style of you know you get X d6 depending on your ability so if you had like a strength three for example you'd get to roll three uh, dice and it's um if you get a certain number or above you get a success if you get like a six on the dice you get two successes a one gives a complication um and yeah that's the slice and dice role play uh, my friend we've only done a few one shots okay um, but uh the guy that plays andrus is the gm for that so it's yeah all part and parcel of same thing but he's done a lot of videos that okay. he's doing quite a few videos that goes through the rule set because it is quite weird um but it's really great fun um my favorite thing is the critical fumble um the player <laughs> there's the option for the player to basically explain what goes wrong so whether it's your gun uh, your gun jams or you know you drop your weapon you sort of damn yourself um which is hilarious because it's always <laughs> You decide something far worse uh, than what the uh, GM would do. Yes, always. <laughs> so that's quite a cool feature in mm-hmm. that sense. That sounds like a very fun, uh, a very fun game. One of my one of my favorite things mm-hmm. about doing these interviews is learning about all the different systems that are out there. I've I've discovered mm-hmm. so many new systems that I'd love to give a shot one day. This one again yeah. sounds really awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's well, on. Uh, it, that's a show that you and your you yeah, and your friend so, are doing. It, yeah, it's a slice and dice role play. In fact, two okay. of us. Uh, so, guy that plays uh, Raynard that then became Bruce um in my show he's also in that as well okay um, so it's yeah there's then one other guy who's uh another one of my gm friends so it's yeah it's all sort of in a, in a circle for that one okay very cool um so slice and dice is the name yes very cool yes yeah, so you have to, you have to add role play otherwise you'll end up with some very strange uh dubstep um <laughs> so, okay yeah very, okay. very different avenue um, but that's all. That's only on YouTube. Um, it's all live play. Okay, so. very cool. Um, any other any other projects that you're involved in? 
Uh, no, this is uh, that's the main sort of thing that involved in it's. Uh, yeah, again, as I said, this is fun. I'd love to run far more. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, looked at getting involved in a few others, but again, it's uh, trying to find ones that are UK based that you know don't yeah. start at three in the morning because yeah. it's America. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's a bit challenging. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a real pleasure, uh, real pleasure getting to know you and, and learn more about your show. Um, like I said, I think it's great. I think you have a really great cast, a really great group of players on your hands. Um, but before we go, uh, just like to wrap up and, and allow you to, to plug all your social medias so that anybody interested mm-hmm. can, uh, can look you up and find you. And then I will also include everything in the description of the episode. So you can, you can either listen to James or you can go into the description and find everything. But, uh, but take it away. Tell us where people can find you. Um, so first one is the cursed eyed cursed dice podcast at gmail.com that's the email address there is something going to be doing soon in terms of if people email they can sort of get an npc in to the to the uh, podcast um it's then on twitter is at cursed dice pc um and then the live stream on twitch is twitch.tv slash cursed dice podcast uh they're the three main ones in terms of other ones uh obviously any of the main podcast formats um mm-hmm. so you've got tune in spotify itunes I, I obviously was very keen when i set this up yeah um itunes google Podcasts, stitcher um and yeah they're the main ones they are all there cursed eyes podcast they the direct link has a lot of letters and numbers so i'm not going to read those no out. that's okay uh, searching for it they're the only ones that come up um, mm-hmm. but yeah they're the main ones there okay and then uh and then and then to find the slice and dice if they're interested in that, it's Slice and Dice Roleplay on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay. Um, there's, um, there's about eight different episodes, I think, on there. Okay, they're cool. A little bit more, they're a bit more slower in terms of... There is another one we're probably going to do sometime in August, I think. Okay, and that actually leads into the, the next part about, uh, about the wrap-up. Do you have any upcoming projects that you would like people to know about? Um, at the moment, no, it's just continuing okay. the Extinction Curse and... Okay. Uh, because that's the main one that I have time to do, unfortunately. Yep. I would love to be involved in more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you never know. Might be able to do some one-offs at some point. Okay. Um, do you have a Patreon? I don't, know. Okay. Um, at the moment, again, for that reason, it's free. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, more than happy for people to send money. But yeah. I, it's, <laughs> at the moment, I don't yeah. feel, again, as we've discussed, it's sort of worthy of that, really, because okay. it is more for my own fun than yeah. anything i think well uh yeah i just wanted to make sure we got everything out there for everybody oh, <laughs> um so yeah thank you again thank you so much for being on mm. the show um and uh and i wish you the best of luck with everything uh going forward all your uh, your different projects and then uh and then once again congratulations on the on the year mark uh, you said Thank that you. you it's coming up in a couple weeks, so uh, yeah. big milestone. So congratulations for that again as well. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you again, James, for joining me. I hope everybody listening enjoyed uh, this this interview with, with James. And be sure to check him out on all the social media platforms and listen to the Cursed Dice podcast wherever you can find a podcast. So uh, thanks for listening again, everybody. We will see you in the next one. Have a good night.
Come with me and you'll see All the junk we stash behind the curtain There is no word I know In this world that rhymes with curtain I'm fairly certain